1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today we have an amazing health story and journey from Dr. Zembrowski. He's the author of a book called Rebuild Five Proven Steps to Move from Diagnosis to Recovery and Be Healthier Than Before. And I think you're going to be blown away by his story, so I'll let him tell it. But welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate your time.
1: So tell us in moving towards getting into putting doctor in the front of your name, what Before we get into your story, what led you into, you know, a journey of getting into the health profession to begin with?
2: So, I mean, if I were to make this short, which it never is, but I was the first one on a football field as a kid to run and get Band-Aids, no joke. And so always being interested in fitness, although I was a junk food addict because my parents didn't really realize that junk food was causing my ADD and I was a little on the plump side, if you will. So my nickname was called Moose, believe it or not. Um, I always had an interest in health and as I grew a little older and developed I knew I wanted to go into some kind of health field but I didn't have my finger on it and when I was younger uh, as an adolescent my I, I had chronic sinus infections respiratory issues I mean Al, it was it was crazy and it was nonstop and so we went on the drug route my father was a dentist at the the time, and basically the treatment for any of my ailments and maladies were drugs, sulfur drugs, drug after drug after drug. None of it ever worked, and every single one of those actually created a major reaction in my body with rashes and and eye bleed and all kinds of different horror stories that people hear about, about side effects with medications. So growing up, going through high school, then college, then I was very interested in the sciences. And so My decision became at the time when I was doing my pre-med studies in biology at the University of Connecticut, I just kept thinking back about the horrors of the medicine and the side effects. Now, medicine saves lives, but for me, it just maybe created an emotional scar in my head, and I just decided not to go that route. So I didn't want to go into medical school per se just because of my experience. Now, I know that may be a a silly way to think, but when you're deciding on a life career, it's like, wow, I I just didn't want, want to be in that situa- situation where maybe I would do that to individuals in a private practice. So I chose a different route. So I was looking at all the non-pharmaceutical, non-drug-based healthcare uh, modalities out there. And to make a long story short, I just I got involved with a chiropractic physician who really, really educated me on what it really meant and what the philosophy was and all the sciences that we get. I mean, it's four years of medical school is what it is and a lot of study and so forth. And it really drove my passion. So I dove into it. So I became a doctor of chiropractic first. So my my going into the healthcare field is really just a personal experience that that, um, that steered me into that direction.
1: So now you're following that field, and you're going down that road. And tell us, um, you know, what were you feeling like? What was your health then? Because eventually, you got hit hard. Big and time. thank God you're here today to talk yep. about it. Um, but tell us sort of that journey from, you know, now you're in the health field, and then what happens?
2: So <clears throat> I'm, I have a, a super busy practice. I'm super excited. I'm constantly doing continuing and learning in seminars and and just living the the life of what I think a healthcare provider should be. I was fit. I was working out. I was eating, for the most part, really well. I got my sleep and so forth. And I got certified in neurology or an advanced degree, if you will, in neurology in my field. And at the busiest time of that time, with a waiting list practice, um, my life kind of blew up. So this is where the the Cinderella story turns into hell. so at the busiest time of my <laughs> serious, it's like the busiest time of my life and in my practice. Um, some weird things were happening in my the numbers are in our business aspect uh, in the business component of our of our business at the office, and I started to find out that a front desk person who I had Become friends with her and her husband were was stealing from me, and insurance companies. So she'd sneak in at night and put in false claims to collect money as I insured her, to then take that money and support a heroin addiction. So at the same time, my relationship. Hey,
1: you got to do what you got to do to get that smack. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, you know what? That's great. It's-, it's not the first time we've heard someone going to great lengths to. Wow. Sorry, that's just. It
2: happens all the time. It it happens. I hear people constantly in their practices, I'm blown away. It's almost common now. So, at the same time, I had bought a house. I dumped all my money into it. So, the house was being ripped to shreds. My money was tied up. I had a drug addict stealing from me, and my relationship went caustic and crazy. I mean, cuckoo birds. And all of this happened at once. And as I've said this before, a, a lot of people, when they get stressed, maybe it's you or somebody else, Al, but. When you get stressed, you either stop taking care of yourself or it's almost like you abuse yourself. So under the times of stress, I wasn't sleeping. I had chronic diarrhea. My gut churned. I wasn't eating because I thought my practice was over. The feds investigated. They arrested her. I mean, it was just, excuse the French, it was just a shit show. And so all of this happened all at once. I was drinking at night to sedate my sleep. No amount of B vitamins and caffeine would wake me up. I wasn't focused in my my practice I was driving to the local deli getting bacon egg and cheese sandwiches driving away going what the hell am i doing but i couldn't see straight because i just thought my career was over based on the chaos and the drug addict stealing so all of the smoke cleared the time passed she was gone she was arrested the relationship ended the house was in order my practice was now back in order and i was emotionally sane again saying now i need to rebuild my career my health my mindset. 18 months later, roughly 18 months later, I started to lose weight. I, um, started to get very weak. I started to develop these pounding headaches. I mean, every time I bent over, I felt like my eyes were going to explode out of my head with pain and headache pain. And then one night I woke up, um, after weeks and weeks of, Gushing night sweats, realizing that there was something seriously wrong, and I said, "Now I really need to find out what this is, rather than a stressful situation, adrenal fatigue, blah blah blah." So I had blood drawn on myself; nothing really showed up. I went to a friend who was a radiologist, whose name was Len, and he said, "Rob, let's take a picture of your chest." I'm like, "Okay." So he takes a shot of my chest, and he leaves the room. He goes, "Let me. Ju- I'm going to do that again and again." My stomach dropped because I know this guy. I've known him for years. I've sent his zillion patients to him for films and he comes back and says I want to do it again so he comes back the second time and he throws up a film and he says you have a five inch tumor in your chest mm. so
1: yeah so god what, what's your first read I mean what's your it's disbelief initially right I mean what what and you didn't feel it right like you couldn't feel it internally
2: so I had no idea I had a cannonball behind my chest until not that it was protruding or pushing on my sternum but it was squishing all the soft tissues it was squishing the blood flow to my head my lung was being affected and so forth and so no i didn't have any symptoms besides the end stage disease pathology symptom right the immune dysfunction my body was deteriorating cells were were dying and um, and dying off creating symptoms so i didn't have any symptoms until it was again you hear this all the time until it's too late So following the following the the symptoms answering your question, there was disbelief and it quickly, quickly turned into me being insanely pissed off at myself. So, as I say, it's like voices got muffled and I'm sitting there going, I did this to myself. I can't believe that I contributed to the pathology of a life threatening disease called non Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so as I stayed s- stared at the film, all I, my brain was like a fast, a fast rewinding movie thinking about all that I did and didn't do to myself, for myself, and certainly not addressing the stressors that I had dealt with. Then I said to myself, now what the hell do I do? Now I have a life-threatening disease. So what do I do? Which started my journey into cancer care. And that was a horror show.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, if you go to Dr. Z's website. Um, and it's D R for doctor and then Z E M B R O S K I.com. You can see photos of this journey and it's, uh, you are like the old photos are just like a shell of the human being you are now. It's amazing. Um, tell us, what did you do to tackle this first?
2: So My first instinct was there's no vitamins, there's no Rife machine, there's nothing that's going to like destroy this, I need drugs and chemo, there's no question. So although I won't say I've been against drugs my whole life, I realized how beneficial they are in times of need. I also realized that for me, I needed to destroy, you know, search and destroy this as fast and as strong as possible. So I dove into the chemo route. I had three months of chemotherapy from a local hospital once a week for 12 weeks. Now, L, I didn't know what I know now. And the second time I went through a round of chemo, which was absolutely horrific. If you were to look up and hear people's horrific stories about chemotherapy and toxicity from nosebleeds to chronic infection to oral thrush and candida in your mouth, to chronic constipation where you actually literally couldn't go, Peripheral neuropathies. My eyes were on fire, twenty four seven, and yet I still had a busy practice because I couldn't go away. I, I couldn't leave it. I didn't have someone to to deliver the the healthcare goods, if you will, to my patients. That I didn't feel right leaving them, even though I was being you know I was being annihilated. So I had three months of chemotherapy. That was horrific. I got done. The local hospital and oncologist said to me at that point, "Hey, let's do another PET scan." You know, his words, well, it's it's still lightened up in your chest a little bit. It's probably benign and active because of all the chemo and then the four weeks of radiation, which I had. So he said, let's check it in three months, six months, nine months, twelve months. So I go back in three months, it's still there, but it didn't get any worse. Six months, the same. Eight, nine months, the same. So roughly a year later, I said, Okay, this isn't going lights out. So I ended up at um Yale, by the way, in New Haven, and they said, No. You still have a malignancy in your chest that didn't go away. We're starting chemo again. This time, I was ready. and all my data, my research, my passion for nutrition and biochemistry and supplementation and nutraceuticals, I understood the property of all the chemo, most of the chemotherapy drugs, what they do, the half-life of the drug, how long will they live in my body and create damage. Based on that information L, I created a supplement plan, a nutrient plan to fight chemistry with chemistry. So I went through three more months of chemo. This time it was a breeze. They would give me an infusion. I'd pluck it out of my arm, throw it on the floor and go to the gym. And they called me the freak because I couldn't quite understand why I was doing so well with what they call the most toxic stuff. So that began the journey.
1: It was because, so was it because your supplement... Was it because you're sorry to interrupt, but so the supplement regimen that you had been on this, this, this new time where you're like more educated and armed for it, you felt counteracted, right? The effects. And that's why you were able to just kind of pull it out of your arm and go to the gym versus the first time.
2: There's no question. I'm telling you and anybody listening that nutritional support has been proven through research to augment and make chemo more, more therapeutic in its cell killing. And protect you as a human from toxicities, and so, as we've created this cancer victor protocol, it really is a research based plan that I used based on certain drugs and to answer your question directly, one hundred percent I understand know and have personally experienced it not only with me but countless other patients unfortunately, that a very targeted plan of nutraceutical supplements will get people through their cancer care more effectively without toxicity or less toxicities i mean Think about it. The, the greatest toxic reason why people stop chemotherapy is because of peripheral neuropathies. And L, if you ever hit your ulnar nerve in the medial side of your elbow and your pinky lit up like fire, that's what it feels like yes, all day I long. I do
1: know that feeling.
2: So it's brutal. And, you know, either surfing or wiping out some way, you must have, right? But it, it does work. Supplements are needed to fight chemistry with chemistry. So
1: What's fast? This is very fascinating, very awesome. What in terms of, okay, so you're not getting, you know, egg sandwiches from the local 7 anymore, right? But, but are there other things that you did deeper and make choices about your nutrition at the time that you hadn't even in the past? You know, in the past, what you thought, quote, was healthy, and then you went off the wagon. Did you then, when you got back on it, change and alter what you were doing before?
2: Yes. So previous to me eating, you know, bacon, egg, cheese crap because of stressful eating, I went back to nutrition that I understood, but even with a more in-depth, deeper understanding of, I'll just say nutritional biochemistry. So so what what foods can I eat that will what foods should do I absolutely need to avoid? Gluten, dairy, white refined sugars, unfermented soy, artificial this, artificial that should I stay away from, which I did based on my research that I've also included in my book. But I did. I I tweaked my nutrition to a point that I created a plan unique to me. So it wasn't just following some fad diet or new thing on the rise, it was what is what is what does my blood work look like? What does my hormones look like? What are my inflammatory markers look like? And then what are the nutritional needs that I could use and eat to then tweak my physiology to stay well and and it's been 11 years and I've been in excellent health since. So my nutrition has absolutely changed. Again, do I have a beer? Yes. Will I have a chocolate chip cookie? No doubt about it. But, but that's once in a blue moon. And to answer your question directly, yes, my nutrition has become very, I don't want to say elite, but um, I just can't go back to that way of eating pre-diagnosis, knowing that those foods could harm me.
1: What are some things, though, that you I mean, again, we we know, you know, and our audience is pretty familiar with, you know, so the offensive, you know, canola oils and all that kind of stuff. But even from the previous healthy platform and you dialed it in further, was there a couple of things where you're like, you know what, I, I used to eat that and thought that was OK, but had to get rid of that? Like what were some were, were there any of those?
2: I, I guess if I think about it, it was um because of the smoke point of certain oils i was like oh canola's not that bad i mean it's and then i realized that it was and so i changed mm-hmm. all of our oils over to as flavoring olive oil but sauteing cooking with avocado oils you know i'm i've always been like a peanut peanut butter person and i guess for me understanding a little bit more about aflatoxins and the different things that can be found in and mold spores on peanuts and again, maybe maybe there's an issue with them, maybe there's not. But I have ceased eating that, and now have gone to almonds. So I mean, it, it's little tweaks here and there. I mean, I don't eat dairy products per se, um, but if we use anything that has to do with a a, a non animal dairy product, it's coconut milks, it's almond milks, and so forth. So it wasn't really a wow. I, I have to take this thing out because it's really destroying me. It was more refining what I knew before and making it very specific to me.
1: What's your paradigm like now? I mean, you know, th- are you high fat, moderate protein, low carb? Are you mostly keto? Do you do intermittent fasting? What, what's right for you? What would you follow now that works for you?
2: So that is a perfect question because what did you just ask me? What's right for me? Again, I'm not a proponent of following a specific diet regime and, and I think my my point of of mentioning this is I don't want people to develop a bad relationship with food. And as I've written in my book, be a varietarian. I mean, eat, eat a whole variety of foods, just don't eat foods that are friggin' that'll kill you or cause health issues, right? Process this and gluten and dairy and so forth. So I guess I'm more of just a, again, as I call it, a varietarian. I eat plenty of plant-based foods. I don't eat gluten and grains in that sense or, or grains with gluten. I do eat my fats. I'm not 100% fat. I don't do the keto thing. Intermittent fast and I do every night, it's called sleeping. If I miss a breakfast once in a while, you know, it's I miss a breakfast and I know that I need to consume. But I also realize if I were to continue to fast for specific reasons, yes, there's benefit to short term fasting. And funny that you bring that up. A patient said to me, hey, doc, what about a three or five day fast? And I'm like, holy hell, that's starvation. Mm. You know, but if you think about it, nutrient deficiency causes disease, calorie deficient doesn't. And so I'm, I'm just weary of the diets that really promote, you know, low to no calories and fast for 24 hours, not because of a caloric need and, and decreasing calories actually has its benefits. It's you release glucagon, you burn fat more efficiently, telomere length and, and DNA repair. That's we, we, we know that. But again, if people were to prevent themselves from eating nutrients, not calories, nutrient deprivation is, is a serious cause of disease. Now, can the body deal with it in a short period of time? Yeah, of course. But I think people go overboard with, with eat, eating certain patterns or ways of food. And again, just speaking for myself, I eat a whole variety of foods. You know, My fasting is accidental. It's not an intentional. Again, I fast every night for eight hours. I wake up. I start eating food, nutrient dense foods, from eggs and protein and veggies to, you know, my my lunches and dinners are always some form of protein, whether it's grass fed beef, chicken, uh, uh, chicken fish, um, uh, good fats, olive oils. I mean, I we 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 live on the primal salad dressings and the avocado oils. I mean, all of that. So, I eat a whole variety of foods.
1: I would love to hear, since you've worked, you know, since your experience and you've gotten through it and now you've really been able to dial it in, and also for other people, I know it's your mission to really help people rebuild themselves from chronic health issues. Um, tell us some stories of uh, some patients and that stand out to you of, of, you know, kind of 180s or some really interesting uh, things to give people out there some hope. Obviously, your story is amazing and it should give everybody hope, uh, but I'd love to hear a few more of those.
2: So <clears throat> a couple come to mind, uh, a friend of mine, her name is Lisa, her mother, it just as a similar situation, her mother at 75 or 78 was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. She had lymphadenopathy all in her body and her neck. So we we I gave her the, a similar type of nutrient protocol based on the chemotherapy drug she received to change her diet. She got rid of all bread, dairy, sugars, glutens, you name it. And she sailed through the chemo. They didn't think she was going to live. And again, today she has salt and pepper short hair. She's lean. She still gardens. And that was several years back. So it really was a, a, a tearjerker to have her run into the office and hug me saying, you know, the, the, the advice with medicine saved her life. So it's cases like that. I remember a patient of mine, Kirk, came into my office. This little story is in my book. This guy had chronic diarrhea. Uh, he was on the point of losing his job. And I remember his wife came in with migraines and dizziness and, and we helped her out. And uh, so he brings in a, a literally a briefcase full of lab work. And I go, oh, my God, look at this. So I'm going through the lab work. He had stomach biopsies, had endoscopies, colonoscopies, biopsies, blood work. I mean, it was endless. And they kept doing the same tests expecting a different result, but they didn't find anything. So at the end of the consult, looking at all his blood work, I shut the file and I said to him, has anybody asked you what you ate? And he goes, nope. So I was absolutely irate. And of course, I always ask that, but I just want to find out, you know, their story before I drill into questions. And so he tells me what he eats. I eat plants. I eat fish. I said, "Oof, that just doesn't sound like it's going to cause explosive, irritable bowel problems every day for hours. So. I said, let me put my head into this. Let me think about it. He goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. Before, before we go, I just want to let you know that I have a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream before I go to bed. It's <laughs> like, oh my God, seriously. I was like, really? You could, <laughs> you could have told me that up front. We would have been done with the consult, you know? So in, a, in undiagnosed lactose intolerance, that all we did was get rid of it, give him digestive enzymes and probiotics for four, three, four, six weeks, and he was back to normal. And it's just little stories like this that blow me away, that, that, that the most common things are, are right in our faces. And again, as, as certain things... Yeah, and you know,
1: I, I love that story, sorry, because that one is so, sometimes... It's so freaking simple. It's like, oh, yeah, the stupid dairy over here. You know, it's just one thing, like, of someone's life. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's just one nutrient deficiency that needs to be optimized, and that leads to a domino effect of correcting everything else. And, you know, I interviewed uh, this celebrity Uh, fitness trainer. Her name's Holly Perkins. And she suffered since she was like 10 or 11 with depression and being on antidepressants for like most of her life. And she never stopped trying to figure out what it was. But again, you know, you're imprinted at such a young age and people are, are saying, you know, well, this is just you, you must be effed up. And then finally, she got some blood markers that were indicative of her having an issue with dairy and uh, wheat or dairy and gluten. She eliminated that. And within one year in her forties got off of antidepressants after all of those years. And it was like, Oh my God, had anyone just even looked over here and it was so simple. She was already fit. She's already doing everything she could. She just had these two food groups that literally had to leave her life in order for her to be able to regain her psychological appropriate state of happiness and well-being. And so I, I, I'm so glad you brought up the Ben and Jerry's because, again, sometimes it's just that. And so you got to keep searching and you've got to keep looking at food as medicine because it is. And mouth to anus is exactly what's responsible for so much. Um, so I, I love those stories.
2: You know, you got, you got 30 feet of tubing and anything that you swallow has to come in as a friend or foe. Right. And if you're taking gluten, saying, Okay, gluten and the protein zonulin can create leaky gut, which then eventually creates a systemic inflammatory response, which then in the physical world creates a lack of, of serotonin production because of an inflammatory process. I, I think a lot of it, which which would lead to depression, a lot of this stuff L is I guess in the functional medicine world is so well known that when when people come in and and just taking an example out of your book, as far as low T3 syndrome and low vitamin D can can cause, mm-hmm. essentially cause hypothyroid. But when when we see a low T3 with somebody coming in, into the office and their T4 is normal, the first question I ask is, do you drink alcohol? And people will say yes, and then I drill it further, and they're like, well, we have two glasses of wine tonight and so forth, and again, just... just chiming into your book uh the the paleo um thyroid solution it's a low t3 syndrome can be caused by you better ask your patients and and your people if they're drinking alcohol why because alcohol will deplete zinc selenium magnesium and all your b vitamins and selenium if it's lost you won't convert t4 to t3 you'll develop all the symptoms associated with a low thyroid like a low t3 syndrome dandruff low libido dry skin constipation and your doctor's going to say you're crazy there's nothing wrong with you right so yep. to your point we go ask the damn questions ask about lifestyle food sleep patterns socialization what supplements do you take do you take medications what if you're taking a medication that that's affected by specific nutrients like grapefruit juice and your, your drugs are becoming non-existent or toxic all these things are important, and again, we ask all the questions, and the stories are endless. They're endless, and 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 upsetting at the same time.
1: Right? It's it's uh, infuriating yet uh, miraculous at all, all at once. Um. Oh, tell us a bit about your book, Rebuild. I mean, obviously, it's such a great resource of what you've went through and all of your experience for people to to get a handle on it. Um, where we can find that book on Amazon and on your website as well. Tell us uh, who's this book for?
2: So you know, <clears throat> I, I think about it. It's it's for anybody who's looking to rebuild their health if they have a disease. It's anybody who's looking to Prevent health issues, chronic health issues or or disease by rebuilding the internal terrain of the body so you don't, don't get to a pathological state like me and others. It's for those, rebuild it for those who want to know more about what they can do to combat the side effects of drugs or even make drugs a little more effective based on nutritional protocols you know, it's L, it's also for people who want the the information and the science so they can go to their doctors and say, hey, you know, the the research shows that I should have these tests done, or I should be, you know, taking more vitamin D, or I should be taking, you know, some other plant-based compound to regulate estrogen in my liver. So it really is, it's, it's not a myopic topic per se, but I think it's a roadmap. I've created a roadmap for people to Create a, a personal plan that's unique to their needs. You and I can't follow the same diet. We can't wear the same shirt. We're completely genetically different. And so rebuild is for anybody who wants to end and rebuild is for anybody who wants to take their health to a whole new level.
1: Right, just optimize yourself in your life it doesn't you don't have to have a chronic disease to to check out his book and it's really well laid out to be able to get on the right path it's just another great source for hey let's stop eating shit for lunch right let's stop uh doing that or let's do it every now and then and that's cool have a donut here and there i mean but at the end of the day it can't be a regular. Situation. And this is, you know, what a lot of athletes who are getting type 2 and going towards insulin resistance are realizing because they look the pillar of health and they're burning so much glucose with their workouts, but they're also ingesting so much and they're on this hamster wheel and they're so shocked when their blood work comes back the way it is because they thought they were, quote, getting away with it. But they're not. So even if you're out there and you feel like you've got a body of steel, are you an inflamed mess on the inside? Because that can happen too.
2: I mean, if it, just to your point, the athletes, tennis players, soccer players, uh, NHL train guys being trained for the NHL that we see, it's remarkable. <clears throat> what they eat, what they don't eat, they're dead exhausted, you know? And so when we look at their hormone patterns, it is unbelievable. You would think that an elite athlete, or we would assume that they're an elite athlete, they look the part. But as you said, if you look at the... in internal systems of their body cortisol is wrecking their thyroid their vitamin d levels are low their testosterone's have uh rock bottomed i mean it really really is remarkable to see but it's funny that you say that but we would think that they would have great physiology and what about the runners and the and the triathletes who exercise all day long and then develop you know uh, hypertrophy of the right ventricle and those are the guys that you hear these horror stories that they 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 die or pass away running, you know, down the sidewalk. So appearances and everything. Well, I
1: mean, that's like the story of uh, Jim Fix, right? I mean, the guy wrote like the book on jogging and then he died while jogging. Um, Well, and, you know, Mark Sisson, um, for those listeners who haven't heard this one before, but, you know, he and Brad Kearns, um, who's his co-writer on the Keto Reset Diet and several other books, you know, they were, you know, competing for years. And they've got lists of all their friends, like, oh, Joe's got a pacemaker, this guy died of a heart attack. And, you know, Mark has some, uh, I think, initial AFib that he's talked about uh, several times, because, you know, back in the day, they thought the harder we work this muscle, right, the more we do that, then the stronger it's going to be. And it turns out they were wrong. It doesn't like to be overworked like that, you know?
2: Exactly. And again, if you're, you're, you're overworking a system, uh, again, we, we see quite a bit of athletes being nutrient deprived.
1: Yeah, I can see that. So, tell us um aside from your book, how can one work with you in person if they want to get personal attention from you? Do you work with patients remotely, only see them in person? Give us, you know, how can people who are listening who are like, "Ooh, I want to have this guy work on my personal program for me?"
2: So, <clears throat> um believe it or not, a lot of our patients are 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 long distance of course, I love to see people. I love to connect. I love to get to know people's personalities one-on-one in front of me, but a lot of people do travel to see us, um, Ocean Reef, um, Maine, Seattle, but a lot of people are remote. And yes, we, we Skype, we FaceTime, we Zoom, we do all those things so we can make the connection, but a good percentage of the people that we see um long distance. We we need your lab work. I need history. I, you know, we start the process that way. So we do see people, we do work with people remotely. Um, and we see people locally,
1: you know, that is so important in this day and age. And it's great that you're doing that because, um, as you've seen with my journey and in general, I mean, every day I get an email from someone who's like, I can't find any doctors. I've exhausted everyone in this state or my city. Um, you know, and they, they don't necessarily have the money, time, or wherewithal to travel across the country. So I just think the more and more uh, medical professionals and health professionals are available for remote counseling and, and guidance is is going to be the wave of the future here because that's really what's needed. I mean, I couldn't even find a doctor in LA during that whole entire time. And I'm in like the best city for doctors. And then, you know, I mean, now there's there's better ones since then. But in general, if you're in a small town somewhere or another country, it's really important to have access. So I think that's wonderful. You're doing that.
2: You know, you and I, as I have read through your story, and I commend you for rebuilding your body it's very similar story, right? Kind of the, what do we do now? Now what do I do? I have to figure it out on my own. And to, to your point of, you know, those living in medical deserts, a.k.a. they don't have access to good health care and or people that, I guess, have a clue. And so people have to then research on their own and find their way through it all like a lot of people have to do. So, uh, again, just thinking about my book, your book, I mean, it's there, It's it's a... It's a way that people can solve the the, the medical desert problem because the information is right in front of you. And we, we love working with people long distance and locally. So whoever it may be, uh, we, we, we love working with you.
1: Yeah, and it's really important, everyone listening, I'm sure they already know this, but you have to find a doctor that understands nutrition you know, of course, I would say understands ancestral nutrition, that would be my advice, but who really understands it, because it's discounted so many times. And as you know, with so many things, you know, you can be a perfect scenario in my book, a success story, Kara, she's on thyroid hormone being treated for Hashimoto's, she feels great, she looks great, everything's good. However, every time she goes in the TPO antibodies are at like 300. And the doctor's like, all right, well, that's there because you have Hashimoto's, not knowing that you can actually do something about that nutritionally and when she learned she was the last person that I ever would have suggested to quit grains because she was one of those like, F you, I'm not giving up pasta ever. Don't even try to talk to me <laughs> about it. And when I finally gave yeah. her some of the evidence about, you know, gluten and Hashimoto's antibodies and, and understanding why it's important to lower them because, you know, antibodies equal inflammation, equal beginning more problems. So you do want to lower them so you can feel good, be treated right, not necessarily feel the height of those antibodies, but there's damage being done in the background. You're not getting away with it. And literally just removing gluten even having a few treats, you know, cheats herself in a few months, those antibodies dropped down to like 25, which were the lowest she had ever seen them. And, you know, so a doctor can even bring you to a certain level of optimum health, but then be missing another component, which is this nutritional component.
2: Well, I agree with you 100%. And everybody else listening agrees with you 100%. The we get a we get grass fed beef from a farm in um, Huskies Falls, New York called Burley Farm. Beatrice. When I first started to go there, my my sister's a dentist, and she says, "Rob, Robbie, you have to go. You have to go get meat from this farm." So I ended up meeting her. She had raging Hashimoto's and the typical scenarios and the physical presentations, the the manifestations in her body, and so I actually gave. I gave her a copy of the book, and I really emphasized with her to get rid of gluten, like really emphasized. And since the day she gave it up, she is looks like an absolute different person. Now, I haven't worked with her blood work. I've worked with her personally. But as you have said, just effing do it. Give, give it up and see what happens to your health. And as you said, she gave up gluten and her antibodies, this is according to what she's saying, her antibodies came down. She's alive and vibrant. Her hair looks good. Her eyes look good. Her skin looks good. And she's farming the passions that she wants, that she wants to continue doing. So just giving that up. So nutrition is key for all of this, for all of it. And I've
1: seen that happen what you, the the miraculous stuff you're describing with her I've seen happen with people in six to eight weeks you know they're just eating a bunch of gluten and bean whatever's, and they clean it up, they get serious, they optimize some nutrients, and it's like, oh my God, they deflated like fifteen pounds of inflammation, their hair their eyes their and they and that's a way, especially if you can nip Hashimoto's in the bud uh quickly it, you can stave off possibly going on thyroid hormone replacement. There's lots of people who are able to control that and be able to still live a great life without needing thyroid hormones. And there's nothing wrong with it. I take thyroid hormones. But again, just how impressive a food group can be in effing up your health or not. Um, it, it's it's uh, Now, I'm curious. Now, I'm going to go into a different area here. I know you're not an expert in the topic I'm bringing up, but I I'd just like to ask people lately what they think of this or how much they've looked into it. What are your thoughts on the latest movement in carnivore diet? Because there's so many miraculous results happening with people. Um, I actually have a client myself who had to go that route and it's the only thing that's worked for her, um, over the course of a year. And she was like, well, guess this is my life now. (laughs) She's like, I, you know, I guess, but it's very interesting because there's this really big movement and a lot of people are trying it. I'm, you know, doing an experiment myself just as an N equals one, not as any other purpose, but I'm just really curious what your thoughts are on that. So
2: I think as with any single myopic way of eating um, creates a nutrient deficiency somehow some way so yes this big push for just eating meat just eating meat now if all you eat is meat will that provide you with everything that you need to to eat to survive to fight inflammation to regulate hormone metabolism and detoxification in your liver i guess i don't have the answers for that but I just think if, if people follow a very strict, just eating one food source only, the data is pretty clear that eating, you know, a nutrient, n- nutrient deprivation will cause disease. So I don't think the verdict is out that that, that is the only way to eat. And so I don't know. I, I just don't feel that, that people should be stuck in. And if you're doing N is one as a personal experiment, go for it. But what's a common theme, L? when people follow a uh, named diet? What's the one thing that, that people, what's the one action people take that, quote unquote, becomes miraculous for them with their health? They get rid of processed food, white sugar, maybe dairy gluten, right? You know what I'm saying? Like The, the major thing is the elimination of shitty food, high inflammatory, toxic, immune-wrecking foods. So is it the elimination of those foods? You know, because you always hear miracle stories with vegan, vegetarian, uh, paleo, meat eaters, uh, uh, keto, what, whatever it may be, whatever the, the food choices you you take and the diets that you follow, the common theme is tr- getting your blood sugar regulated and getting rid of inflammation. And that's how I see it. So we get rid of processed foods and crappy foods, our health changes. Now- If you're just eating meat, you're not eating carbs. You're not eating processed sugars. You're not eating corn. You're not eating high fructose corn syrups and gluten. So will your health change? Hands down, it will. Will you lose weight? Hands down, you will. Will you regulate your hormones? Without question. So I don't know. I guess to answer that, I don't have a specific scientific answer Per se, Yeah, no, I just was
1: considering your, you know, if you had taken a look at it, it's just sort of, you know, on the up and up uh, recently with some amazing success stories and just kind of curious about where that will go or what studies will be done on that um, moving in the future. Do you Uh, think think somebody just
2: eating meat is the answer to the health issue or was it the elimination of all crap?
1: Well, there's people that went down the road where they got to the point where they eventually limit everything. And then when they, there's a doctor, Paul Saladino, when he reintroduced any kind of plant matter, the eczema flared up again. There's a couple of carnivore doctors out there that uh, do it, but one did it for the autoimmune issues. So there's lots of people, especially with autoimmune, that are finding it's the only thing. And it's not necessarily about weight loss or fitness, but it's about, hey, this is really the only thing that doesn't give me symptoms. However, uh, side note, and I'm not an expert in it yet, but you know, in order to really be carnivore, you've got to eat nose to tail. You have to eat the organ meats and you have to, you know, eat liver and and kidneys and, you know, hearts and all that kind of stuff too in order to get a full profile. And, you know, someone might say if you wanted to try, you could eat steak and eggs for a month and do a sort of, you know, junior level varsity carnivore program. But if you really want to do it right, you have to eat the organs as well. Um, So, yeah, we'll just see. It's just really interesting. I'm uh, very curious to see uh, what happens in the future with that. Um, but not not that I just didn't want to go into too much of a tangent there. I was just curious if you had seen it. Um, I love that you're working with patients all over the place and that you're sharing this incredible journey that you have. It's so inspiring. I, I am implore everybody to go on com and look at the photos of this journey and see where he's at now. And it's like you're glowing. You're like you know he's like amazing. And then there's these other photos where it's just like you want to cry at uh, what this poor bastard is going through. <laughs> like, looking at these photos of your old self uh going through this stuff. What a what a traumatic experience. Um so wonderful though that you took it and are helping others. So tell us what, um, aside from, you know, we'll put everything in the show notes to connect with you. And hopefully if people are out there and they really need help remotely, uh, contact Dr. Z. What what else is, uh, what's going on for you? What are you excited about uh, this fall, winter? Anything, you know, you got any travels coming up? Uh, I know you said you might be working on a new book. Uh, what else is happening that you're kind of interested in?
2: I have been asked to uh, speak at some... Uh, a big nutrition company, Nutrimetrics, as a supplement company to educate people on the use of nutraceuticals and helping people with chronic health issues. I'll be speaking for Fran Drescher at the beginning of November at her cancer at her health sum, summit via the Cancer Schmancer Movement. Not that I think it's going to be just about cancer, but she has a whole summit on different health topics. So she has um contacted me to come out and speak so we're pretty excited we are hopefully gearing up for a another book slash tv tour so we're waiting for my group to let us know on that so it's it's going to be a busy fall and it's going to be fun this is all fun i'm i'm super excited to uh, inspire others and uh hopefully rebuild them
1: absolutely thank you so much for joining us is there any other last thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience
2: that's a great question. I think, <clears throat> as I think back about it, um, I, I guess I can only say that for the listeners, just remember that a diagnosis is not a destiny. And I hope that rings, it rings in your uh, mind or, or stays in your emotional limbic system that a diagnosis is not a destiny. You get to play a pivotal role in getting to your health finish line. For me, my, a diagnosis was a chance to pivot my lifestyle into something that was more um unique to my wellness goals. And so I just want people to know that if there's a diagnosis of of an unresolved chronic pain in the ass condition or it's a serious condition, serious issue, it's not it's it's not a destiny. You can play a role, you can be your own advocate uh in getting to where you want to be.
1: That is so well said and incredibly true. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for helping the world heal and doing your best to pay it forward.
2: Thanks. I appreciate your time.
0: Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than... A stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm. used to be called Primal Calm. And the key ingredient in this formula is called Phosphatidylserine, or PS. And this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress. Whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, personal stress of any kind, we're constantly triggering the fight-or-flight mode in modern life, in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body, and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right. Phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients, and you can make that connection.